0: It's our honor to have Steve Schitterer speaking to us this afternoon. Uh, Steve is a graduate from, uh, from Bear Valley, from the Bear Valley uh, Bible Institute. Um, I guess about 20 years ago now is uh, how long that's been. He's been preaching for 18 years, and he currently preaches at the Cave Springs, um, uh, in Cave Springs in Arkansas. Um, and so he has a lot of experience under his belt. Something that's kind of interesting is, Uh, Steve, since he went through here 20 years ago, um, I was a teenager when he was going through school. And so uh, I got to watch a lot of different people come through the school, but I've always looked up to Steve and appreciated Steve. And none of that has diminished even over the time as I've uh, heard about his work and seen his work. Uh, He's a quality guy. And so we're very blessed to hear him speak on another very, very important topic. Uh, One that cannot get more practical than this. And so um, we're looking forward to hearing from Steve today. Steve can preach a word to us.
1: It's not saying a whole lot that he says that he's always looked up to me. Because uh, he has always looked up to me. It was cool, Brett. We were here when he was baptized. And uh, one of the funny things, we as students, of course, we're always trying to you know, find those funny little quirky things we can do. And I can remember when Brett showed up, They when they arrived at the church building, uh, and they were, it was starting to snow. And we started talking about this and say, okay, it's snowing. Um, if we just bury him in a snowdrift, would that count as being buried in, in, in for baptism? And Denny didn't like that too much. He didn't go for it very well. So, but, uh-oh. Let's hope that comes back on. Um, I was excited when I got the assignment. Said you're going to be doing a class for with the the, the young people, and uh, this is I. I still have uh, a nine-year-old son, um, Jason. Uh, he's been running around here. He's probably run bumped into you a uh, time or two, I'm sure. Um, but I when we were here at Bear Valley had uh, a. Two-year-old and a four-year-old, they are now both married and, and uh, you know, starting families and, and all that. And so things have changed a lot. Uh, but I'm still, my 17-year-old daughter, she's here with us uh, this week as well. And uh, I, have, I have a passion for working with young people. Um, there are so many, and you guys have probably heard it, and you 've probably even heard the cliche so many times of you guys are the church of the future and i don't i don't i don 't buy into that. You guys are the church of today, you guys have so much potential, you have so much ability, and there there are so many things that you guys are able to do, and some of the things that you know about. Um, because of the different things that they focus on in school and that I can't do. And uh, I try to stay up with technology. As as my teenage kids have gotten older, I've tried to stay up with that, and I do pretty good. Um, But you guys have so much potential and ability to be able to reach people with the gospel in ways that it's never been done before. The message will never change. It'll always be the same. But the way that we reach out to people does change from time to time. And so I hope with this, who here in this room, do you have a friend that you say, I would really like to be able to teach this friend of mine about Jesus? Anybody have a friend that you would say that you could call by name right now? You say, I know by name. This is a person I want to teach about Jesus. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. This might be a little different than what you're expecting, though. I'm, going to be, I'm just going to be a very practical lesson. And what I mean by that is, let me see another show of hands. How many of you guys have ever attended one of the future preacher training camps? Any of you guys? Okay. Raise your hand high. I want to see. Very good. How many of you girls have attended, I know there's some teacher, future teacher training camps, or maybe a, a higher ground camp or some of those. How many of you have gone to one of those? Okay. Those types of, of camps are things that really began to help me to, to understand really what I need to be doing on a day-to-day basis. Now, I was older when I started going as a staff member to uh, Future Preacher training camps. first one I saw was here at Bear Valley. And I invited some guys up from Texas one year and said, you got to see what they're doing up here. This is awesome. And so they took the idea back to Texas, in Louisville, Texas. We've been doing a preacher training camp down there for for 18 years or so. And uh, and so about 15 years ago, I'm sitting in. Now I've been preaching right at that point for four or five years, and I'm sitting in in uh, uh, this preacher training camp. And Brother Harold Taylor, you probably haven't ever heard of Brother Harold Taylor. Now Harold Taylor, he is known as one of the great personal evangelists in the brotherhood this man is a guy that can study the gospel with anybody he can set up a bible study with anybody if 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 a if a fence post would listen you know to the to the gospel he could get a bible study with a fence post it's he can talk to anybody and he is so down to earth now you wouldn't know it looking at him when you look at him he's you know, an older guy. He's got a toupee. He's, he, you know, he's. He's like, mean, does he really relate with a lot of people? He has a personality that is amazing. Well, I heard that he was going to be teaching a class on personal evangelism, how to study the gospel with with other people at the the, the preacher training camp. And so, I'm already a preacher, and I was, I go into that class, and I'm I got my pen and paper ready. I was, oh, this has got to be great. And what I was doing is I was looking for the new way. I was looking for, he's got to have some new method. He's so good at this. There's got to be something brand new that he's going to share with me so that I'm going to be able to study the gospel with people better than I've ever studied the gospel with them before. And one of the things our culture does is it, it kind of puts us in this mode. You've heard people say to think outside of the box. Maybe. Think outside of the box. I, When I was trained in business, different things, this, that was a big thing. They told us, as a matter of fact, this here goes even a little step further. They said, don't just think outside of the box. You need to think as though there's not even a box. You need to open your mind to all the brand new possibilities and ways of doing things and so that's kind of where my mind was when I went into this, this class on teaching the gospel. And I sit down, and as Brother Taylor begins to teach this class, at first I was a little frustrated. I was almost a little disappointed because he was teaching the same thing that I've heard my entire life. He was teaching, hear, repent, confess, believe, and be baptized. I, I, i 've heard the steps of salvation. I know that he he was he was teaching all of the things that i had had heard since I was little bitty. I grew up in the church, my dad was an elder in the church and 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 so here I am waiting for this new, profound way to teach the gospel to somebody and all i 'm hearing is the same thing i 've always heard and then it hit me. I realized that I really need to get. Away from this way of thinking, I need to stop trying to invent ways of creating interest in the gospel. I need to try to stop inventing something new to make somebody interested in what God has given them. And I just need to share the gospel. I need to talk to them about Jesus. I need to let them know who He is and what He has done. I need to show that in my life to them. One of the most exciting things it, that I do now is when I sit across the table, and I've sat across the table from countless number of people, and I've had open Bibles and we're studying the Gospel with them, and one of the most exciting things is when you come to a point that all of a sudden there's a light that goes on. And you guys, I hope, I'm going to challenge you this, uh, this afternoon I'm going to challenge you to get yourself to the point to where you are sitting with your friends, with people that you know, with Bibles open, talking to them about the plan that God has for them. I'm going to, I want to challenge you to do that. Because there is no greater feeling than sitting there and having them, they read something from God's Word and you see it in their eyes. All of a sudden they get it. They understand something they've never understood before. And sometimes you see they kind of furrow their brow a little bit. That excites me, actually. When I'm studying the gospel with somebody, and then all of a sudden they they kind of go, hmm, like that. I get excited because that tells me that now their mind is wrestling with something. They're thinking about something. And they're trying to figure out, is that really truth? Because if that's really truth, that means I'm going to have to change something. And they're beginning to really think about it. And so those types of things are things that are really exciting for me. And we pray that the outcome is they're going to understand the truth. They're going to obey the gospel. The blood of Christ is going to cleanse them of all their sins because of that obedience. And that's what we would like to happen every single time. We know that it doesn't happen every single time. And that used, to, that used to bother me too. I used to think that it was my job to save people. It was my job to, to get their, have their sins forgiven. And it wasn't until I realized that it's, it's my job just to tell them about Jesus. It's my job to try to get them excited about salvation. It's God's job and the power of His Word. It's that that has the ability to be able to save a soul. And so, even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus tells the parable of the, the, the four soils, the sower, even in Jesus' illustration, or in his example, how many of those examples that he gave actually ended up being faithful and remaining faithful? There's four soils. How many ended up staying faithful? One. If math is still the same as it was when I took it, that's 25%. Only a fourth. Even in Jesus' own illustration, there aren't that many people that will grasp onto it and hold onto it because Satan has put so many things in the world that people have to navigate around and they have to wrestle with and to try to get through the mess in the world to come to grips with what Jesus has told him in, in the gospel. And so <clears throat> I'm going to start sounding a little bit like Brother Harold Taylor now. And I'll tell you right now, Bill Stewart sitting back here, hit the outline of the, the gospel outline that uh, I learned while I was here at, at Bear Valley is the gospel outline that I use every single time I study the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. I draw pictures bill of, of of amphitheaters and talk about the caros and and uh, you know all those things and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get with Bill Stewart because he will love to sit down and show you uh, how you can use some really really cool and fun ways to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ this more, uh, this afternoon i 'm not so much going to talk about how to do a study. what I want to talk about is what you need to be doing yourself to be prepared for those studies. Uh, this, I'm really going to challenge you with, with some of these things this afternoon. And I want you to really look deep inside yourself to see, am I doing these things? Am I preparing myself the way I need to so that when those opportunities come, I'm ready? That's what we're going to talk about. The, the, the title tonight, the topic is, Help Me Talk to My Friends About Jesus. Well, you have to make sure you are ready to talk to your friends about Jesus. And so you may have all of the answers. You may be able to answer every Bible question there is. That doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to talk to somebody about Jesus. And so the very first thing, the most important thing to begin with is prayer. Again, like I said, I'm going to start sounding like Brother Harold Taylor. When I went into his class, like, oh, man, I've heard all this stuff before. Well, I know you've heard this before. That when we are, are talking about the souls of someone else, that friend that you a minute ago said that you could think of their name, that's the person I would like to study the Gospel with. When was the last time that you prayed to God and you you spoke their name to God? That God, would you please be with with? With Ryan, would you please be with with Sally? Would you please help create an opportunity? And when I found this picture, this really it said a lot to me because in prayer we are talking about praying and talking to God about a, a, an issue that is a a it's a soul uh, saving issue. Their life is at stake. And if you know that someone's life is at stake, what would you do to, to plead with God that He would help create an opportunity for you to be able to, to talk to them about Jesus? That their heart would be open so that you could talk to them about Jesus? I, this is the first thing I want you to do. I want you, sometime today, maybe tonight when you're going to bed, that one person that you're thinking of them by name that needs the gospel of Christ. They need the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to write that name down. And I want you to go to God personally in prayer and pray for that person. That God will create an opportunity. That God will open a door. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14 verse 27, he talks about how a door was opened by God for him to do the work of God. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8, again, God talks about that He will open doors that no one can close. And so God has the power. question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that God has the ability to create an opportunity for you to talk to them about Jesus? Because He's told you that He would. He's told you that He will do everything in His uh, power to create opportunities. It might not be the way you want it to be done, but He will do everything He can to make that happen. You have to pray then for the wisdom that you need when you're talking to them. God tells us in James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, that if we lack wisdom, and there it's in a context of trials and struggles in life, well, this is a trial and struggle in life. If a friend of mine is lost, that's a trial. I don't know any greater trial any greater struggle than someone that's close to me that is lost. So, if I am going, if I don't know what to say, if I don't know how to approach it, God tells me, ask me for wisdom. And I will give it to you in abundance. Now, it's not He's not just going to snap His fingers and all of a sudden you're going to have all the right answers. The, the, the preparation also lies with you and what your effort as well. But, are you praying for the, the the wisdom that you need to be able to to be able to reach people the best way you possibly can? Even the apostle Paul, I would say, is the greatest gospel preacher that has ever walked the planet. Now, Jesus, of course, the greatest preacher that has ever walked the face of the earth. But Jesus never was around to proclaim the full gospel. The Apostle Paul was that one that is this amazing gospel preacher. And what did he tell the church in Ephesus? In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 18, he's talking to these Christians. He says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now listen to this. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. If the Apostle Paul understood that he couldn't do it without prayer and the help of God, why would we think we could? Why would I think that I'm going to be able to have all the right words and I'm going to be able to do all the right things if the Apostle Paul himself knew? He said, I need help. I need God's help. So that I'm able to do this the best that I possibly can. So we have to pray, pray, pray for those that that we want to create opportunities for the gospel to be planted into their hearts. But secondly, we've got to prepare. Are you ready? Would you right now, and I'm not going to point anybody as anybody out individually. But I want you to think about yourself right now. If I came to you and I pointed to you and said, I've got a gospel study that I need, to need done. I can't do it. I've got another one going on. But I need somebody to, do, to study the gospel of somebody. And I came to you and I pointed to you and I said, I need you to do it. Are you ready? Are you ready to study the gospel of Christ? The greatest message the world has ever been given. Now... I ask some other questions. So I say, I need somebody to explain to me the the plot of one of the, a new a new movie, or or um, you know, I need I need somebody to walk me through the whole storyline uh, that uh, of, of of Marvel over the last several years. You know, I love all the Marvel movies, and it, there are a lot of guys that say, "Oh yeah, man, I can tell you all about that. I can tell you all the things that are hidden in all the movies." I, we 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 have the ability. To know a lot of things. Do you know what you need to know to teach somebody about Jesus? There is no greater message. There is nothing better than this one thing. And at your age, you need to start asking yourself that now. Because when I was your age, I would have been, Man, don't call on me. I don't know I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't I don't have all the answers to all the questions that they might ask. I, I'm I'm just not ready. Well, there's something to me. I coached basketball for several years. My high school team, uh, Northwest Arkansas Hornets, we won a national championship uh, back <laughs> a few years ago. And uh, one of the things I tried to drill into my guys was practice doesn't make perfect. You hear that all the times, practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. I've seen guys practice thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and they're still not perfect. But practice will make permanent. The more you do something, the better you get at it. I don't care what it is. No matter what you do, the more you do it, the better you get. And so practice makes permanent. When I, when I look at, any of you guys recognize this guy? Do you recognize what he's trying to do? <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal gets paid, he got paid, tens of millions of dollars to play basketball. Run up and down a court with a little round round orange ball and 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 score points. The man couldn't hit a free throw if his life depended on it. It was one of the most frustrating as a basketball coach, it was one of the most frustrating things for me. And there are a lot of professional basketball players today. They can't hit a free throw. It is the most simple, it is the most it is the one shot that never changes. The room's the same height every single time. You're the exact same distance away from it every single time. Uh, everything is the same. There's never a defender on you. It is the it was one of the easiest shots in basketball. And yet guys get paid millions of dollars. They can't make that shot. You know what that tells me? They have not come to a point to where they believe that it's important enough to put the amount of time necessary to get good at it. Because he couldn't make a free throw, what is the the tactic that teams created? You know, know what it was called? Hack-a-shack. That was the tactic. It was because they knew if we foul him, they're not going to score because every time he goes down and shoots a free throw, he's going to miss. And so they'd start fouling him every single time he got the ball. And so uh, he he is he was he a great basketball player? Yes, in many respects, he was. But he never saw the importance of putting the time in to working on the most simple shot in basketball. Guys, the same is true for a lot of Christians. There are a lot of Christians who are going to go to their graves and they will never have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody else. They will never have opened their Bibles up and taught somebody about Jesus. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the one thing that Jesus left for us to do when He told us to go into all the world and make disciples. And so we have a responsibility, but there are so many Christians that they just haven't found the importance enough yet to prepare themselves to be able to do one of the most important works that we have as Christians to do. And that's why I won't look at you guys. Because this is not something that just the preacher does or the elders do or any of the other ministers do or even your moms or dads do. You guys have the ability to know the Gospel, to teach the Gospel, to to influence the lives of others with the power of of the message of Jesus Christ. And so, the, the, the same is true. If you have never been a part of a Bible study... This is my next challenge. I want you to talk to your preacher. I want you to talk with your elders, your youth ministers, maybe your parents. Somebody somebody that you know is involved in doing Bible studies. And if they're not, you're going to push them and, pers- and convince them that they need to get out and do some Bible studies. I want every single one of you to go to a leader in your church and say... The next time you go to do a Bible study with somebody, I want to go with you. Because when you watch it being done, when you see somebody else doing it, it helps you to realize, what it helped me, first time I saw somebody study the Gospel with someone else, I said, I go, well, that wasn't that hard. That was, That's the stuff that I've been learning since I was little. It wasn't hard at all. And it's just the practice. If you ask... Your, your preachers, you ask your elders, you, uh, they will tell you that they didn't get it all right the first time they did a Bible study either. They made mistakes. I've made some big mistakes in Bible studies, but I've learned over time and I've gotten better. It sometimes takes dozens of times. It takes maybe hundreds of times to get comfortable. With, I'm still not comfortable with how I can answer that question, but that's okay. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, when, even when you don't know what the answers are. But, but it's important. Again, back to basketball. I went to a basketball shooting camp one time, and the guys that were training, these are guys that train professional basketball players. They said, if you go out on, and you practice a shot, and this could be with anything, it might be soccer, it might be any um, sport in, in some way, but in basketball, you practice a specific shot. One of my shots, when I was in, in uh, played in, in high school and college, One of my shots was if I could come across the free throw line and I could catch the ball from the wing and I could plant my foot on the elbow right at the corner of the the free throw line and turn into a shot into a jump shot, it was money every single time. But he said, if you practice a shot a hundred times, I'm sorry, a thousand times, he said if you've only practiced a shot a thousand times, don't ever use it in a game. You're not good enough at it. If you practice it a shot 10,000 times, then you're just renting that shot. You can use it sometimes, but not all the time. But if you practice it 100,000 times, you think, 100,000 times? I've got to shoot that shot 100,000. Yeah, 100,000 times. Now you own it. You can use it whenever you want. That's exactly what we're talking about with Bible study. If you have never been part of studying the the gospel with somebody, I'm not surprised if you're sitting here going, I'm kind of scared. I'm not sure if that's something I can do. That's natural. If you've not done it very much, it's natural. After you've done it two or three times, there's still some nerves that are there. After you've done it ten times, the more you do it, the better you get. Practice makes sense permanent. It helps to ingrain those things in you and the greatest reward that preparation gives you is it helps to eliminate fear. If you're prepared then fear seems to just disappear and that's with anything. How many of you have you had a test that you've taken in school and it was a big test but you didn't study a whole lot for it. Anybody willing to admit to that? All the rest of you, we're going to sing an invitation song here in a minute. You can come forward as we stand and sing. Okay. I did that too many times. Big test. I didn't study for it. How did you feel the next day when you were walking into that classroom knowing you were having to take that test? You almost feel sick, don't you? You're just like, I am not ready for this. And at the same time, I knew it was my fault. I didn't want to admit it. but, But... But now, those times that you did study for that test and you studied hard and you knew everything, what was the next day like when you were getting ready for that class? Maybe that class was the last hour of the day. And all day long, you're just like, oh, just, ah, I want to take that test. Because I'm ready for that test. The more prepared you are, the fear goes away. You begin to, 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 to do better at The same is true when it comes to your Bible study. The more you know God's Word, the more you work and serve as a servant of God, the more that you do, the more relaxed and at ease you become. And you're not going to have any problem at all in studying the Gospel with somebody. Okay? When... Uh, what if you do prepare but somebody still asks you a question that you don't know the answer to probably the biggest thing that I hear from people when I talk to them about we need to set up some bible studies or I need you to go do this study with somebody like I don't don't know enough what if they ask questions that I don't know the answer to and that used to bother me too three the three hardest words that it took me, I've got German blood my last name is Schinnerer that's that's as german as it comes and there's german blood running through my veins and if you know anything about germans they're pretty stubborn they're they they we we don't like to be told what to do and and uh and it, i i didn't like to be wrong well the three words that i had a hard time learning to say are these three words i don't know Well, first place, I graduated here at Bear Valley in 2002. I went to Porter, Oklahoma, over by Tulsa, Oklahoma. Porter Peaches, Peach Capital of Oklahoma. And uh, so I'm I'm preaching there. The very first Sunday, I walk in, I'm getting ready to teach a Bible class. And there's a man, a couple of the elders had kind of warned me about this guy. I said, Mr. John over here, John Matthews, he's... So he likes to challenge guys. He likes to throw out questions that, that guys struggle with. He just kind of likes to test you a little bit. And so I was kind of prepared. I was waiting. So I'm teaching a class, and Mr. John Matthews raises his hand. I go, oh, no. What am I going to do? So he asked me this question, and they were right. A, I had no idea how to answer his question. So what I did was I said, you know what, John? I don't know. But I'm going to find an answer for you. And then I went on with the rest of my class. He didn't raise his hand anymore. I went on. Well, I was just out of school, so what do we do a lot while we're in school? We write papers. We study and we write papers. So I went back to my, all week long, I go, I'm in my office in the church building, and I'm studying this question that he asked me. And as I'm studying this question, I end up writing a 16-page paper. So the next Sunday, I show up, and I walk up to him and I say, John, I've been, I've been working on this. I think i think I found a way to explain this. And, and so uh, I've been studying it, and I handed him that 16-page paper. And he just kind of stood there and stared at it. I don't know if he ever read my paper or not. Never. I was there for six years. Never again did John Matthews ever raise his hand in class <laughs> and ask a question like that. But look what happened because I didn't know an answer. Here's what happened. First of all, it gave me some time to find a good answer to his question. So if I don't know the answer and I say, I don't know, but I'm going to find an answer for you. That now gives me more time. I can go back and I can study it now. I can go ask somebody else if they have uh, uh, an idea of how I can answer this question. Secondly, It gave me an opportunity to study something that I probably would not have studied on my own. I probably never, maybe in my lifetime, would have studied that question because it was kind of a strange question. But now, I now have knowledge about something I probably never would have studied. Thirdly, it helped me gain the trust of someone because they knew I wasn't just going to make something up. So when your friend asks you a question or if even an adult asks you a question about the Bible, you say, you know what? I don't know. But that's a good question. I'm going to find an answer for you. You just gained a lot of respect in their eyes. Because most people, because we don't want to be wrong. So most people would just say, they'd make up an answer. They would come up with something that wasn't right. But you just gained more trust because you, told, you proved to them Getting the answer right is more important than me looking good, and so uh, it, it, it's a great, it's a good thing. It also allowed me an opportunity to be an example for others to see. In that Bible class, there were fifty other people in that class, and they were able to see an example of someone say, "I don't know," and I was the preacher. The preacher's supposed to know all the answers to all the questions about the Bible, and I was the one that said, "You know, I don't know." And so that gave them an example to realize, oh, so you, you don't necessarily have to know all of the answers right, right now. And uh, it, it, it just gave them that good example. One of the greatest things it did is it created a second opportunity for me to sit down and talk to him about it. When you're studying about Jesus with somebody, one of the most difficult things to do is get the second study. Sit down and study with them a second time. You're not going to be able to go through everything the first time necessarily, unless you're using the gospel uh, outline that Bill is doing it. I've done it on a napkin, you know, with somebody in a, in a restaurant uh, and, and there's a way to do that. But you're not going to be able to talk about everything in that one time. So when I look now for opportunities to say, I don't know. When they ask a question, I might even know the answer somewhat, but not all the way. So I'm looking for ways to say, I don't know. I'll tell you what, I'm going to find an answer. That automatically made uh, uh, another opportunity for me to come back to them and say, hey, I studied that and I found an answer. And now I have another chance to talk to them about Jesus. And so a lot of times when people say that they don't know an answer, they, they look at that as a problem I want you to, from now on, I want you to start looking at it as an opportunity. And what this also does is I just took away every single one of your excuses to say, I just don't know enough. Because you now have the right and I'm giving you the permission to say, I don't know. That's a good question. But what you're doing is you're starting a conversation with someone and talking to them about Jesus. Now the final practical tip that I want to give you is that you guys have to live it. They have to see Christ in your life. They have to see you living the way that you say you believe. We have to make sure that other people understand who we are. The Apostle Paul was the one that said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God into salvation. That word power, it's what word, Bill? Power. Dunamis. It's the word that we get dynamite. It is the dynamite of God for salvation. The gospel message. And the apostle, I'm not ashamed of the, the gospel. There is not a single one of us that should ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ. There have been a lot of times I've been in conversations with people, and even me, and I'm ashamed to say this, but there were times that when people were talking about the Bible or about Jesus, I was, I was afraid to jump in and give my uh, two cents about whatever topic they were talking about. I was ashamed. I didn't know what they were going to think about me. I didn't know that they might ask questions that I don't know the answer to. I I used all the excuses to just keep my mouth shut and not say anything. We have to have the attitude of the Apostle Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no reason to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we not called to be the light of the world? Are we not told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5? To let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to be the ones that people see. We're supposed to be the ones that people hear. And in our culture today, when we say something about the Bible, we say something about Jesus, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say, well, you're, that, that's just hate, hate speech. That, you, you're just, you're, you're, if you're saying that something that somebody's doing in their life that God's not pleased with it then, then you're just not being you're not being very nice and we have to help people understand that we are actually being more kind than anyone else has ever been to them because we're trying to share with them the one message that will help them to overcome judgment day one day we have to let other people know about Jesus. We have to give them a chance. They might say no. They might say they're not interested. They might say that they don't want to hear anything that we have to talk about. And they have that right to, uh, to, to, to say that. But I have to give them a chance so that they can say no if they want to. And if they say no, they're not saying no to you. That was one of the things I had to learn. Is that they're not, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting God. And they're going to have to answer to Him for that someday. But I just want to give them a chance to make things right. So I want you guys to develop eyes for opportunities. When a conversation comes up with a friend, the friend says something, Man, it's hot out here. Your door just opened. That one statement right there, just open the door and go, yeah, man, it is hot, but aren't you glad that God made the world with the different seasons so it's not hot all the time? Now you just created a conversation that you're going to now get a response from them to see what do they think about God creating the world. They might say, oh, you believe that God created the world? You go, oh, yeah, you don't. I mean, do you want to know why I believe that God created the heavens and the earth? i have love, and your door just opened. No matter what the conversation is, use it to open that door so that you can help them know more about God and to help them know more about Jesus. Now, Again, I've, it's a, it's a, some challenges that I gave you. First, tonight I want you to pray. Pray for that person that you want God to help you with to teach them about Christ. I want you to go to a leader in your church and I want you to tell them, I want to go on a Bible study with you. I want to start learning how to do this and how you do it. There's a lot of different ways that guys do it. And you'll find a way that works best for you. I want you to start challenging yourself. And you can sit here today and you can say, oh, that's not for me. That's for other people. No, this is for every single one of you. Everyone in this room. I want to challenge you To talk to someone about Jesus. Because that door will open and God will then help and create opportunities for you to share Christ with them. If you need any help with that, I know there are a lot of people around you in your churches here at Bear Valley that are more than willing to help you in any way they can. I appreciate talking with you guys. Like I said, I just wanted to give some practical things. We know the gospel and what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the importance of that and the message of that. I hope that maybe this will just maybe give you a little bit of encouragement to say, hey, I think I can do that. I can, I can do that too. Because there's somebody in your life that needs to hear about Jesus. Thank you, guys.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Steve. Uh, it was practical. Very practical. Uh, if you guys can do this. Um, Even at your age, that is not at all um, any kind of detriment. You guys can be some of the greatest evangelists that we've ever seen. And uh, we prepare as people for so many things. Sports, careers, um, other skills. Let's prepare for evangelism. Let's prepare to, to bring people the greatest message. Uh, in the history of mankind, because that's truly what it is. If we believe it, it should show up. Uh, let's have a, a word of prayer, and then quick announcement after that. Father God, you have uh, given us the, uh, the greatest message that we could ever tell anybody. Sometimes we shrink back in fear. Sometimes we uh, give ourselves a host of, of excuses not to tell people about this. But Lord, we pray that you will give us doors of opportunity to talk to people about you and that you give us the courage to walk through those doors and to tell people about uh, the wonderful opportunities that you're giving to all of us to be able to be with you in heaven. Thank you that all of this is possible through your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll be back here at 3.30 for our next session. Uh, you're dismissed. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Very much. Thank <laughs> you.